Oh my gosh. Oh. 100. El Hundredo. El Ciento? El Ciento. El Centro. I think is it is. Is that what it is? I think it is. 100, and it is our official Super Bowl 51 podcast. Oh, man. I got Sims. I got George. George yep. is in the chair. Our damn producer can't even be here for the 100th episode. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to give a quick apology. Uh, we said there was only 199. It was Warren Sapp. Uh, I got a text from my friend Dan arguing that fact, and your dad even made a comment. I think tell what Big Phil said to you. I told Big Phil uh, the day the day we did the podcast with Sapp. I said, yeah, we had episode 99. He goes, well, who'd you have on? And I said, I had the greatest 99 of all time on. And he goes, Jerome Brown? Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, oh well, <laughs> guess can't be Jerome Brown, huh? So that's my dad for you. A little too much CTE there in the old well, days. Hey, my friend Dan, the first thing he said was, how, uh, he goes, how did you not say Jerome Brown? He's yeah, like, Warren Sapp would have picked Jerome They both went to the U. They did. Both went to the U. Pretty unbelievable they had both those guys. Man. Well, they weren't on the same team, though. But Oh, no, I mean, I yes, know, but, but in their history. That whole, well, gosh, they went through a 15-year <sighs> run there where you'd go, holy cow, they all went to that school? Yeah, there was a time where people were like, Miami, USC, when will they ever be bad? Yeah. And, you know, it just shows you that can happen. I, but that's what I talk about with the Patriots. When will they ever be bad? But I had a lot of people hit me up, including my mom being like, Adam, I was really nervous for you when you, you said that to Warren Sapp, uh, and he didn't say anything. He is a handful. Uh, can you tell me the most famous double zeros in the NFL history? Oh, double zeros in NFL history. Man, there's the Raiders guy. Yeah, uh, what's his name? He God. was a center. Is that, I was gonna say. He had two zeros in his last name. Damn. That, that just threw me off even worse. What's his name? Jim Otto. Oh, Jim Otto. I know the Jim Otto. The other double zero that just comes to my head is Robert Parrish. The, yes. But football. Uh, so wide receiver, the only one that I found was Ken Burrow of the Houston Oilers in the 70s. Um, so, yeah, Robert Parrish, I think, is the most famous double zero. Yes. Uh, I would say in the, in the early 2000s, Agent Zero, Gilbert Arenas, was probably the biggest one. I forgot about him. But there are three big-name NBA players right now that wear zero. Is there really? Yes. And when I heard all three, I went, wow, I really don't pay attention to these people's jerseys. Wait, damn. Hold on a second here. One of them is an amazing outlet passer. Kevin Love? Yes. One of them. Damn. One of them. Is Russell Westbrook wear zero? Yes. Right. And then the third one is also a really good rapper. A really good rapper. And he holds down the Upper Northwest. Man, I, the, the Daniel Booby Gibson was the guy that I thought of because he left the Cavaliers to become a rapper. But Damian no. Lillard. Damn, I would have never gotten that I, one. I didn't even realize Westbrook and Kevin Lover. You know, zeros. when you said it, I, I, the love thing I didn't remember, but Westbrook, as soon as you said there's three players right now, I went, damn, I think Westbrook's at zero. So that's the yes. only one I would have really known. Um, we're going to get to the game in a little bit. We're going to be doing uh, a Football. bunch of game. You just watched the 49ers film, I yes. think, for an interesting take, 49ers Patriots. Yep. Uh, we're going to do prop bets and all that okay um but i have a lot of questions and you know what it's episode 100 yes and there have been a few guys that have really been there for us the whole time you're right mark bajant and seahawks guy man they are, are the two the rider dies from the day of when we used to call it the f-ing podcast when we were back to calling it the old two guys and one spleen. two guys one spleen maybe we should change it after oh, 100 should. change it to two guys one spleen i like the f-ing podcast better 
Wait, was that really? Remember once remember we had a day where we sat in the office and just thought of titles, and one of them was called the. F- remember, because I kept saying that every day. You guys are like, "All right, we're doing the podcast," and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, the f- podcast." <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, in the, today's world where everything has a podcast, that would definitely be sponsored by you by uh, Pornhub. The f- <laughs> podcast. Uh, you're that right. Would be a little intense. I am. Um, so we're gonna get to that, but Mark Bajan, uh sent me a ton of questions on my Facebook page, which is Adam Lefko BR. But one of them is a little bit of news and notes. How does Sims feel about the John Lynch hire in San Francisco? Yes. Okay. Well, John Lynch was a teammate of mine, a guy I've, uh, man, I've really known for a long time. I mean, I got to spend a lot of time with John, too, even when I was out in Denver playing for the Broncos because he was living out there, and me and him would meet up every now and then. He'd come over for the kids' birthdays, things like that. John Lynch is an extremely intelligent man. He understands the football, uh, the game of football from all angles. Were you surprised? I was surprised. Listen, I, I had an inkling that he was in the – I knew he was in the running. You knew he was being interviewed. I knew he was, so I just didn't know that – he was going to be hired. So I, when it came push to shove, I was like, wow, he went ahead and did it. Was it yeah. one of those things that you were like shocked and then you went, oh, I see why he did it? Um, or I, are you still on? Like, I was unsure? shocked. No, I was shocked. And then I went back and thought about our conversations and how I know he wanted a real football guy. That was one of what the What does things. that mean? He just wanted a guy, I think, that's been around it, understands coaching, been around players, seen players for a so long time. So it's not a Joe Banner. It's not a guy that, right, got a job in a front office because he knew somebody and is really kind of learning the job on the run. Might know some of the number crunching and all that, yeah. but, but doesn't know personnel. And I think that was the big thing. And Lynch certainly will be all over that. I think also when I thought about it, um, all those guys that have connections, they're all trying to move up. Yeah. They're all trying to go somewhere. Even if they become the GM of the Niners, they're still going to be thinking about somewhere else. John Lynch, I think his lack of experience is also a benefit in terms of uh, his lack of bias. He's never dealt with any other GMs, so he has no bad bad blood with anybody. Yes. He's never dealt with players uh, other than just meeting them in a super positive role where it's, hey, I'm covering your game today. So he has no negative view on players. Yes. He's coming in completely fresh. He knows that Kyle's part of the reason that he's going there in the first place. Yep. So he's going to feel like a kinship there. Their contracts are the exact same time. Yep. The only th- And he says, look, I want to give the coaches whatever they need. On its face, it's great. Yes. But I also, like having met John and and like been around you with him, he really, when you've played the game, you want to do it right. You're not about selfish manipulation. It's more of like, I know how Seattle does it. I know how New England does it. It's a clean canvas. Yes. And I think when you're Kyle and everyone comes in with a, some form of bias against you, whether it's because you're an arrogant little prick, which apparently is how he's described. Yes, he is. Or your dad maybe have rubbed people the wrong way. If you come in with someone that has zero bias, it's a clean slate. Yes. When has Kyle ever had a clean slate? I Never. N- at no point. I mean, listen, the Atlanta Falcons wanted to fire him last year because Roddy White didn't like him. Like, yes. That's how stupid things so get I, in the NFL I think in a weird way, the lack of experience will be good now. The key will be the other guys, the pro player personnel guy they just hired, some of those other people. And I think that's you're right. That is the key because now they can kind of put a process in place and John let Lynch will hold evaluate everyone the players. Yes. Right, Lynch evaluate the players, make sure the process is going 
as it was explained to you. But yeah, he does need help. He needs guys. The same thing when Elway took over for the Broncos. I mean, Elway was not announcing games. He wasn't doing anything. No one seemed to care about that. Well, he was, you know, he ran the Philadelphia Soul. Right. And so he had some organizational stuff. Yes. And also, I think he was out of the game for a lot longer and he was older. He was. And people are much more willing to give jobs like this to older people. It is We freak out when Sean McVay gets a job. We Mm -hmm. freak out when John Elway gets a job. But we look back at Mark Zuckerberg dropping out of college or Bill Gates dropping out of college to start their own business and we celebrate it. So it's just, look, there's a process to football. You've been doing it the same freaking way for like 20, 30 years and when you deviate from that, it shocks people. It does. You're exactly right. It's the establishment. But I I think it's the perfect fit from that standpoint. And then uh, Lynch has no ego. That's the John Lynch has very little ego. I'll say that. And he will be able to, when he gets you know, overruled by Kyle and a player, he's the type of guy that will be able to accept it and move on. Yeah. Um, how how freaking scared was Kyle losing his backpack, do you oh. think? So the story was Monday night, NFL media night for the Super Bowl, and Kyle's down there on the floor, and he's interviewing all these people, and apparently him and a reporter swapped backpacks by accident. Why Kyle was carrying the, the playbook Maybe because he's playing the Patriots and he's afraid of something, or maybe because that's like his Bible. Well, he's yeah, he's like he's like how I've told you before. He is more New Englandy than he realizes. It's and just ingrained in him. And, and yes, it's like Bill. Like Bill probably going to these press conferences has this huge backpack right there with and him. Everything that he would ever need is there for this matchup. It's all there with him. And so you got to remember, like you're on the bus sometimes, and he's probably like, "Damn, I'm on the bus. Maybe, like, let me use this time. Let me look at the iPad. I can watch yeah. some film or a scouting so, report." Kyle loses his backpack. Yes. You know Kyle. <laughs> yes. And I just uh, w- I just saw something about how he was apparently frantically going around. Oh, it's Set I would the pay scene. money to w- see this. What is it like? Oh, because this is actually like uh, first of all, Kyle, I've always said like would forget his head if it wasn't sewn on top of his shoulders. We had a literally a running gag in Tampa when he was the quality control coach there because, you know, let's say... That's fr- quality control's job. It's, it's remember a, crap. Friday and Saturday night, though, he might come over with his wife and come over to our house yeah, and we drink some out. beers, hang yeah. out, eat some food. I'm not joking you. There might have been 30 Fridays in a row where Kyle walks out of the apartment. We say, bye-bye, everybody, bye-bye. I was living in a, 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 a high-rise building at the time. And he would walk out and I'd go, oh, he'll be back. And because his keys would all, he'd always leave without his keys every freaking time. <laughs> he'd go down the elevator and he'd go, dude, dude, uh, buzz me back up. I forgot my keys. Uh, I mean, literally every time. So this was what we call Kyle Shanahan. We call him Shano. And Shano is, that is Shano as the person right there. That's not the football coach. Gotcha. But the person will forget something in Why a heartbeat. Why do I get the feeling that he has like a photographic memory when it comes to scheme, but in terms of like everyday life, he forgets inconsequential nonsense? I guess it's like you can't have it all, right? You can't have the girl with like perfect breasts, great butt, and like personality and brains. That doesn't exist. That does not exist. So yes, he is a photographic memory as far as football is concerned, but like, yeah, he might forget his kid's birthday is next Wednesday. Like, that's, that's a Belichick thing, too. That, it is. That's what I mean. He really is a lot more like that than than you would think. Man, I just I'm imagining him just oh, frantically, frantically running, running around. Like, what would he be saying? What does Kyle having forgot <sighs> something? <sighs> dude, have you got, dude, 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 have, have you guys seen my backpack, dude? <sighs> and I mean, he'd be walking around with like just this oh <sighs> look on his face. <laughs> 
uh, totally stressed out. Well, now I'm definitely picking the Patriots because you know darn well that Belichick has already scanned it, copied it, <laughs> sent it out to the team. Seriously. It's, all right. So before we get going, um, I had producer oh. Josh send us a little message because oh. it is 100, uh, and he's not here, so I'm just going to play it like this. Okay. The Sims and Lefko podcast episode 100. Boys, I am really, really fucking sorry that I'm not there Ooh, for this curse. momentous, momentous occasion in podcast history. I look back on those early days of the podcast. Lefko would drink a beer every episode. True. We once forced Sims to eat a bagel for the first time in his life. <laughs> and I think that this podcast has really matured and grown into something that we're all really proud of. So, guys, Mazel Tov, a hearty, hearty Mazel Tov for me to you. <laughs> On reaching 100 episodes. I know that no one, especially Sims, is interested in hearing what I have to say about the Super Bowl, so I will just go on record and say that I am predicting the Atlanta Falcons to win the Super Bowl by a score of 30 to 27. I am predicting Vic Beasley will have two sacks in the game, wow. and I am predicting that there will be a controversial call that goes the Falcons' way late in the fourth quarter of this game. So uh, once again, put your name on it. Falcons win Super Bowl 51. Boys, Mazel Tov. Oh, hold on. Darn it. That's awesome, though. Yeah, that was I'll... a good little rundown. Oh. Once again, have a great week, and I will see you guys for episode 101 next week. Later, guys. He's so cute. Uh, later, guys. Uh, so he's going Atlanta 30 to 27, two sacks from Vic Beasley, and a, and a call that goes the Falcons' way. Yes. He literally picked against everything that's probably going to happen in this game. <laughs> Vic Beasley ain't getting sacks. I would be shocked. I really would. <laughs> Uh, listen, uh, I'm rooting for Atlanta. You know that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm scared for Atlanta. I really am. All right, so I want to do um, – let's let's break down the game now. We'll make our picks, and then we're doing prop bets. Okay, yes. Um, first up, I really like what we did for early in the playoffs for what to watch for. Mm. So I am going to be watching uh, the first playoff game without you. So this is for me, too. What should I be watching for when Atlanta has the ball? Yes. So what am I looking at when Atlanta has the ball to see, okay, this is going their way? Yes. Okay. Well, the first one's obvious. You and I both know this, right? Like, what, what are they doing to Julio Jones, right? So that's the first thing. At home, I just want to know, okay, is Malcolm Butler running around the field with Julio Jones? Do you think they will? I do think so. And even when they're playing, like, even when he's being doubled, I think it's still going to be, be Malcolm Butler, Butler and someone else. someone else on top, right? Okay. So I think that's a certainly an interesting thing to watch for. The next thing I would go to is those big people in the middle, Malcolm Brown, Allen Branch. Really just how does New England line up with their defensive front? Again, you know how we talked about the bear front so much against the Pittsburgh yes. Steelers? I have a feeling we could see the bear front here in this game. So what did they line up against the Steelers? Which three? They did the it, – it was, it was um, Branch over the center – Malcolm Brown to the strong side guard, okay, and then Val, uh, not Valentine, excuse me, Trey Flowers over the weak side guard. So they just attacked the center of the O line. Exactly right, and then they would have Ninkovich now, over the tight end, and now for and a maybe Falcons a Shea running McClellan. game that likes to get outside, yes. is it dangerous to be in the bear? It, it, it can be dangerous, but it can also be it, it can also be a really good thing when you know you have guys you can trust on the edge that will set the edge and force the run back. So you've inside. talked about this all week. Yeah. So now I'm 
envisioning this. Yes. I'm envisioning a Patriots defense mm-hmm. that has Hightower, Flowers, Branch, Brown, and Ninkovich. Yes. Ninkovich and Hightower are setting the, each edge, and those three guys are in the middle. And I think they're really, really in the edge. I think you'll see more Ninkovich and McClellan, and I think you're going to see Hightower as the lone middle okay, linebacker. Okay, so that's in the middle. seven guys. That's six guys. Five, five, right? Five and six. Right, right. It's, so then you have five other guys. Right. That's what scares me about playing the Falcons. Yes. You got five other guys maybe guarding three or four receivers. No doubt about it. That with is no help. That's so why then you got two on Julio. Yeah. So now you're at eight. So now you got three for two other receivers or a tight end. Yeah. And God forbid that Kyle Shanahan calls a play action. You know, that, I mean, to me, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I'm coming out throwing. I am not going to try to – like. I think the New England front is special, and I don't think people are giving it enough credit because they're not just given the green light to go up the field and create havoc. They, they read things. They hold guys yes. up. That's the way they well, do it. Well, Ninkovich, Hightower, and Brown – and flowers are special upper 200s, low 300s, multiple guys yeah. that can do everything. Yes. And they're all really, really smart. Yes. And I'm not saying Branch isn't smart, but his role is defined. Stay there and take on as many blockers as possible. Right. But Malcolm Brown, I think, is one of those guys that no everyone's talking about Alex Mack this week. Mm-hmm. But no one's talking about Malcolm Brown, who uh, Melvin Gordon Huge jump from year one to year two. Yes. Landon Collins, huge jump from year one to year two. Malcolm Brown made a huge jump from just being a guy last year. There were times where we would watch Patriots film and you would go, you know, this Brown kid's just getting pushed around a yeah, lot. Yes. Doesn't happen anymore. Not at all. I mean, and he, we make, were, he makes plays. And now. I asked you before the podcast, I said, look, I, I thought the Patriots were bigger last year. They had Silica. They had some of these other guys. And yet this, this front is more fortified. And you said, look, Malcolm Brown's just better. Yeah, Malcolm Brown. And so is Branch. Branch is better as well. He's probably just because he's been in the system. Exactly right. And then Trey Flowers is the biggest thing. I think really mm. Trey Flowers has been the, the difference in their team. When they finally went away from okay, Chris Long is that guy, and they made it Trey Flowers. Yeah. It just gave them a little more size and physicality. Like uh, Long might be the better pass rusher, but all the other areas, Flowers yes. wins uh, One comment, and then we need to get back to Atlanta's offense, because yeah. I asked you about Atlanta's offense, and you told me about New England's defense. So, But that was on that side ball. I know what you're talking about. But the thing that I'm realizing right now about the genius of Bill Belichick, yes. what are the two highest-paid positions typically other than quarterback? Yeah, corner. Well, Maybe. then I have two other ones. Okay. I was going to say pass rusher. Okay, sure. And uh, offensive lineman left tackle. Yeah, sure. And what is Belichick doing in his roster? He has removed all of the high-paid pass rushers, yep. and he's created just a strong front, front built with a lot of multiple defensive tackle, defensive and hybrids, yep. which you can get very cheap, mm-hmm. and their contracts are not high. And by focusing on getting young offensive linemen and playing a three-second, a, a three six-and-a-half-step drop back, he reduces the importance of really a high-priced offensive lineman. So he's able to keep the salaries down. So we applaud Pittsburgh when they had their run with a young Ben Roethlisberger when they could afford it. We applauded a young Colts team that had Andrew Luck on a rookie contract. Man, did we applaud the the Seattle Seahawks Mm. and Russell Wilson and all they could afford. But that was a limited time. Belichick has found out how to minimize the importance of other high-priced positions and invest in tight ends, running backs, positions that do not cost a lot slot receivers. That's what you have safeties. to do when you're picking at the end of the first round for the last 16 years straight. 
you have to start changing your formula. And to Bill, I think when you look at it, you go, Bill looks at pass rushers as a waste. I don't need pass rushers. I don't care about sacks. Time out, time out. It's incredible that the guy that helped create the monster that it was, Lawrence Taylor, doesn't value pass rushers. I don't think he's sitting there going, man, I got to get a guy that gets 10-plus sacks. No, I think he thinks, I want our guys to keep the quarterback in the pocket. I want pressure in the face of the quarterback. That's where Allen Branch also comes into play a lot because he's great at just overpowering centers and guards to push them back in the quarterback's face. And then, yeah, be, be, be within that, he doesn't have to pay a Chandler Jones $35 right. million guaranteed you know, to get 12 sacks a year. So that's, that's the big thing. Your offensive line thing is... I mean, this man took Adelius Thomas yes. from Baltimore a year after he had 11 sacks and said, hey, I'm going to play you at cornerback a little bit. <laughs> Played everywhere. He doesn't care. No, it's not a. It's not it's about, about that. winning the game. He doesn't care about. Oh, we lost the game, but we got seven sacks. Like a lot of defensive coordinators are be like happy with that. We dominated the game on our yeah. side of the ball, but we lost. Bill is going. No, I don't really care what we dominated or didn't get to did we yeah. win it, and that's all that matters. All right. So to combat what you just said. All right. If you wanted me, to just go one more thing with that. Just because I was kind of just giving the Atlanta, of New course, England. of course, but yeah, because I understand that it's interesting though that here we were talking about Atlanta's offense, but it's really New England setting the tone. Yes, I think so because I think New England at the end of the day has. Do you think they own the trenches? I think they have the better players. Yeah, I just think their fifty-three is better. I just think the Atlanta fifty-three on the field. I don't think it's really top five in football, the 53. Mm. I just think they have the best offensive coordinator in football, and they have a few key players that are awesome in a position that all works to the perfect storm and, this day in the, and the NFL. And a very, very, very good quarterback yes. that bought in and executed that system perfectly. And, then you have and, I, and, I, and I do not want to take shots at Matt Ryan because his offensive coordinator is good. Just yeah. like I'm done taking shots at Tom Brady because Josh McDaniels is good. Right. You can still be a crappy quarterback in a great system. You can be. And no I doubt. can't imagine how frustrating that would be for an OC. Right. But Atlanta's offense, what can they do to put up 27, 34 points? Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think the first thing is come out throwing. I, I would want to get the New England out of this, oh, physical, we're going to dominate the line of scrimmage type of game. No, I think Atlanta, if they have an advantage, it's, it is their speed. Make it a little more of a space game at first. Make New England uncomfortable. So that's where I look at it and go, they have a little advantage there. So the play actions, the boots, all the things we see them do so well, I think are going to be really important early on to kind of call the bluff for New England because I think New England – just make them sit back on their heels a little bit. Yeah, New England's thinking, oh, man, we got to stop the inside-outside zone first. I'm sure that's like the first thing Bill talked about all week. So they're worried about that. And then if they can come out and kind of – take advantage of that over-aggressiveness there, then they're going to get Bill and company to start thinking, man, we got to start defending the pass a little bit. Maybe you can get back into the run game. You said this? Oh, go, go, go. But, and the last thing is, I was just saying, running backs on the pass game. That'll be the big thing, too. Okay. You so that's what I need to look for is, at the end of the game, if Tevin Coleman and DeFronte Freeman have six catches combined, is that good or bad? Uh, do they need more than that? I think they need more than that. Combined, really? yeah, I do. Because this is the other thing that I worry about in this game. And I know this just from I heard Bill say it when I was working up there. Bill wants middle linebackers that are big. Not only for the uh. butt, but when Bill blitzes a middle linebacker, he wants to know my middle linebacker is going to run over your pass-protecting tailback. Back. So I think when I look at it, too, I, got, I, got, I know Kyle, of course, is extremely smart. He's got to look at that and see Dante Hightower every week running over a pass-protecting line uh, running, running back, back on third down. So 
two, can you split them out and try to win that matchup like they did against the Broncos, right, with Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman making big plays? And even if he's in that traditional spot next to Matt Ryan in third and seven in a shotgun, I would free release everybody. Free release. Not keep him in. No. Just as soon as I say set hut, don't look for a pass protection. We're going to teach Matt Ryan where he's in trouble and where he can throw the ball quick in case they do outnumber us. Yeah. But let's not waste our time having you try to block Because that Mitchell is the Hightower. true thing. Like, if the Patriots are relying on, and I know you think that Devin McCourty and all those guys are going to play a huge role in that, too. I do, yeah. But I think that if you have three, if they put three wide receivers out there and Tevin and Devontae Freeman. Yeah, that would get interesting. Yes. If you're relying on Shea McClellan and Dante Hightower to catch those guys and Ninkovich, mm-hmm. it could be like the Denver game. Yeah. You can get into a track meet. I do. And I, and I do, you know, I, the other thing is New England, like we've talked about, they like to play man to man. Now, they've gotten a lot better at being a little more creative with some of the things they do. Uh, a, a lot of different zones as the year went on. And that's really when they became a, an elite defense. But uh, I, I do think that Bill has to look at it and go, Man, I can't let Logan Ryan sit over there and man-to-man on Taylor Gabriel all day long. Like, he could get burned Yeah, they, they, these Because you've guys, always said about Bill, you need to take away the big explosive play. Yes, and I, I think he will maybe chicken out from that standpoint and go, you know, I'm not going to mess with that. I might mm. roll the dice on it here and there, Yeah, but I'm not going to make a living asking guys to do something that I don't think they're physically capable of doing. So even if the Falcons go down the first drive in nine plays and get a touchdown, but it's mainly through the passing game, your thought is they're not out of the woods yet no. because they still need to get this run game going. I, 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 but I, if they go nine plays and a lot of it's running the ball, are you going to be watching the game going, oh, shit, we got ourselves a game? I, the first drive, I never put too much stock into the first drive right. just because it's, it's so much emotion. So more first quarter. Yes, If they have quarter. success running the ball in the first quarter, mm-hmm. the Falcons can do whatever they want. Yeah. If they don't, Matt Ryan's going to have to play a perfect game right. because you don't expect the Falcons' defense to put up much of a fight. I don't. I don't that's good so. to know. Yeah. If you're watching the game and you're paying attention, that, that's also good for the second-half adjusted line for my degenerate gamblers out there. So if you're seeing the Falcons moving the ball, this is going to be – you're hitting overs. You're, you're, the Falcons are in this game. I think when I really look at it, to be realistic about it, I, I think the Falcons' offense will pretty much have to play the perfect game. I really, that's the way I look at it. Because I, I think, like, you know, I do think New England's capable of getting one or two stops here and there just because they have talent and, of course, they have a scheme. Yeah. And when you rely on passing the ball, there's going to be a drop or yes. two. This is the, really the first defense. You know, we talked about, like, last week, the trifecta, right? I think New England's the only team with the trifecta. You know, as awesome as Kyle and this offense is, this is the first defense when I really think about Atlanta and what they've done all year long where I go, Hmm. This is them versus a scheme and a talented players. Now I know like Denver had that, but right. Denver that was early in the year. I'm not going to put a ton into that. This is New England and Bill Belichick. They're not going to take as many risks as a Denver. So I look at it down the stretch and go, what team did really Atlanta have to play that had talent on defense? And a scheme to match Denver it. and Seattle. Yeah, it's really Denver and Seattle. And Seattle, I don't even think I would put the scheme in the category anymore because it's like you, you're, you're seeing the it. offensive geniuses have learned. Like Sean Payton beat yes. Seattle. Uh, Josh McDaniels beat Seattle. Yes. You know, I know he didn't do it this year, but he did it in the Super Bowl and whatever else. And then, yeah, Kyle Shanahan beat Seattle. What about Seattle. the Giants? The Giants as far as uh, – Falcons play the Giants earlier this year. Um, no, I don't think they did. I think you're I'm wrong. I'm almost positive that the Giants beat the Falcons. No, they didn't. I think you're thinking of maybe, I think that was two years ago. 
But it's all right. But I have the schedule right here in front of me. Don't waste your time. 2016 schedule right here. They didn't play them. I promise. Oh, you yeah. know what it was? I remember earlier this year I was talking about the Giants, and I was saying it's the reverse of last year where they got the win over the Cowboys, and then they beat the Saints. I was talking about an NFC South team. Gotcha. You're right. They, Julio caught them last year. Yes. Um, yeah, so Denver and Seattle, and Seattle's not the same, and it'll be interesting. It will but, be. Uh, so you expect Julio Jones. So if you're watching the game at home, where do they? Lo- I think where do they line up Julio? Yep. How often do they move Julio pre-snap? Yep. How many running backs are on the field for them? Yeah. Can the the tight ends of the Falcons set the edge against Ninkovich and right. Hightower? Is New England going to have five guys straight across on that defensive line? Right. Five guys straight across. Where's Malcolm field? Butler? Yep. And then uh, can the Falcons run in the middle? Yeah. Yep, because they're going to threaten the edge. That's the whole thing about the outside zone. Threaten the edge, threaten the edge. And then Let's, cut back. And then cut back or find a seam there where some guy hasn't been able to run down. Do you think Kyle call a trick play? No, I don't. Really? I, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. And you said that. I mean, Kyle has never really run any trick plays. I mean. Like his trick plays are like the backside tight end right. rollouts. We we rolled out and booted to the right. And the it's tight not end really. The a, right it, yeah, like that's the difference. Came out the backside. A trick play is, is a flea flicker or a wide receiver pass. I look at that play that Kyle calls a lot. And that's just good scheme. Yes. Yes. That's like, uh, yeah, we, we would say like he's got some oh shit. Oh sh! Plays on yes. his playbook where you you go one way and you go oh sh! He's Any wide chance open that Dan Quinn wants to roll the dice and and call an onside kick at the beginning of this game or uh, halftime? I really hope they have something in their arsenal for that because I am scared if this is like twenty to ten in the second quarter and Atlanta's got the ball and they go three and out and they're about to punt on like a fourth and four from their own forty. Yeah, like at least have them ready. That's all I would say. Have them ready. Why is it? that New England always has one ready. I mean, how many times have we seen New England run trick plays in big playoff games? Yes. Yet they're always and they always work. The Edelman throw right. against the Baltimore Ravens right. last week, the yes. flea flicker that resulted in a touchdown. Yeah, and that's the Bill Parcells coach, school of coaching. I mean, he was the same way. I mean, he ran a, a fake punt against the 49ers in the 90 NFC Championship game to basically win the game. He, in the Super Bowl, my dad had the great performance in. They were second half, the first drive of the game, second first drive of the second half. They were down ten to nine on their own forty-five. They brought the punt team in, and he ran. He brought the backup quarterback in on the punt team, and they ran a quarterback sneak to keep the drive going, and the game was never the same. Man, it's just you, you know you got to have that right that right time when to call it. All right, flip side. Yeah, Patriots offense, Atlanta defense. Yeah. Are we expecting the cover three? Like, are we expecting corners and a press coverage? Mm-hmm. Are we expecting man or mainly the zone hybrid? The zone, and then they do run a decent decent amount of man, Atlanta. So they your, will your thing up. all week has been if the middle of the defensive line is the most important part of the Patriots. Yes, the middle linebackers and safety are the most important for the Falcons. Yes, and it's great for the future that they're all rookies. Right. Might not be great this time with Deion Jones, Devontae Campbell, and Keanu Neal. Right. I mean, just all the things we've said on Facebook Live this week, all those kind of things. That's what scares me. Because you think they're super talented, though. Like, ultra talented. I mean, they're special. Watch them. But I think the thing to watch for with those three, with Neal, Campbell, Deion Jones, is just can they process all the things that are being thrown at them by this New England offense? Because I'm sure they're watching it on film going, huh, it's not really, doesn't look that complicated, but... 
yet they always seem to get yards. Yeah, they get yards because they run the plays they want against the defense they want. But regardless, they're going to stretch those three on the inside, stress them because it's a zone defense and so much of it is on the communication of passing off crossers, seeing the crosser on the other side, whether he's coming. I think that could get really stressful along with the fact of like what we saw in the New England-Seattle Super Bowl, how many times Brady threw it out into the flat, like five yards For outside. Like six yards on the first Exactly down. right. So those are huge plays uh, that is going to put a lot of stress on those three, especially them being rookies, them having to deal with all the formations, all the personnel sets, Brady getting up to the line of scrimmage, seeing that you're maybe not organized, running the snap count real quick, running a play. I just think it could be really tough on a young group of guys. We, you, you, saw that a, you said that a bare front is how New England could stop the Falcons' running offense. Yes. What do you think about the Falcons' defense with LeGarrette Blunt? Yeah, it scares me, especially when it comes down to, oh, it's, if it's a close game in the fourth quarter and New England's trying to wear them out. I mean, New England's just a bigger bigger team, period. I mean, Atlanta plays really hard, but I just it, – it, it's it's fourth quarter, five minutes left, and LeGarrette Blunt is bigger than everybody on the Atlanta defense except the two D tackles. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt is bigger than Vic Beasley. He's – as big as Dwight Freeney. And when you're tired like that, because New England will make you play four quarters. I know that sounds so cliche-ish, but well, the pressure is on you all game to the very end. Your guy, Mike Lombardi, calls a 60-minute team. Yes. And he says there's some teams that are 55-minute teams. Yes. There's some teams that are 50-minute teams. And the Patriots are a 60-minute team. Are a 60. Now, Atlanta is a 60-minute team, too. I would put them in that okay. category. But I don't know if they have the depth to mess with this 60 minutes. Well, team if you here. think about it, the Packers didn't really have a running game yeah. and they fell behind early so they couldn't do it. The Seahawks never got their running game established and other than that one performance the, the, against Detroit, right. they really couldn't run all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're facing this team. Yeah, and this team can beat just in whatever way they want. And yeah, I do worry about lack of size on that Atlanta defense just to you know, those guys like Shaq Mason and Thoney and Solder, they're big human beings and I do worry that they can wear them down. We did this last year. Yeah. Denver was the underdog. Carolina, they got offense. They got defense. Denver's got a crappy quarterback. Why is that not going to happen this year where we kind of are proven to be wrong and that Denver came out and was the more physical team? Yeah. Well, you know. And more energetic. It and was. More focused. And, 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 you know, listen, I, I mean, I, I know last year, I think I picked Carolina to win the game 24 21. So I didn't think. Did were, you? Yeah. Yeah. I believe that was my uh, score. I'm pretty sure. Pretty. I'm pretty oh, sure. Carolina. Yeah. I picked yeah, Carolina yeah, to win yeah, the game 24 21. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, first of all, that the Denver defense is just special, period. And they rose to the occasion of being in the Super Bowl. And I don't think you'll ever see really anything like that again. I mean, I don't think people really realize what they saw last year. They saw a team. I think they saw the lesser team win the Super Bowl. They just saw an incredibly amazing one unit where you got a sack fumble from Von Miller for a touchdown, a sack fumble that they recovered at the three-yard line when Cam didn't jump on the ball, right? You had a punt return that set them up inside the 10. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Denver finished the game with less than 200 total yards on offense, yes. and they won, yes. 194. I mean, really, I look at that game and go, Carolina was stupid. Like, what were you thinking taking seven-step drops against that pass And rush? here's the deal. And New England is isn't that, stupid. That re- yeah, that's, what's, that's the difference that's this the year. Difference. Is Carolina, and you talked about it all the time, Carolina came out feeling super confident, 
and taking pictures yep. and taking Hi, pictures Mom, on Saturday and waving it. Right. And the Patriots are not going to do that. Because no. the one thing that we then wrote, that everybody roasted the Panthers and Cam Newton on is hubris. They went out there and they were feeling it all year. Yeah. And the Patriots don't fall into that trap. They don't. And if either of these teams is going to fall into the trap, it's probably the one that's never been there before. And no one on this team's really been there before yeah. for the Falcons, where the Patriots have like, I mean, even Deion Brady Lewis has in the more playoffs. experience than the whole Falcons team combined. Deion Lewis had three touchdowns in their divisional game and called it one of the worst games of his career because he fumbled twice. Yeah. I mean, he's like, I played like shit. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you just, you're the first player ever in the playoffs to have a, a catch, a run, and a return touchdown. Right. And he's saying it was his worst one. It's just a different level of mindset. It is. It totally and, is. And I, so, how do the Giants catch him slipping? Or did they catch him slipping? The Giants, well, I think the first Like, thing what can the Falcons do that the Giants did? Okay, well, the, the first. Mindset wise like, or skill wise. I think this is, this is actually a perfect jumping point where I actually I wanted to go with this a little. First of all, the 2011 team that lost to the Giants, that was a rebuilding New England Patriots team. That's what people don't realize. New England is amazing because when they were rebuilding, they were going to AFC Championship games and losing in the Super Bowl. That's where they are a different animal altogether. Now, 2007, that year, that New England team, I mean, might have been the best team ever, uh, but that Giant team was special. Mm. And that Giant team was capable of getting pressure with the front four, that giant team had a really good offensive line, so they weren't going to be overpowered by New England in that standpoint. And they had a few legit difference makers on the outside, and they kind of just played a detailed, tough football game for four quarters, just like New England does. Yeah. And they just made the play at the end because, really, they, I mean, that, that giant team, what, that year I think was 9 and 7. That team had no business being 9 and 7. That should have been like a 12 and 4 football yeah. game. Uh, but but I think that's where I look at it. And but, but the other thing is is you know how I feel about this Lefko, and we talked about this yesterday. I think this New England team is special. I think it's the best team Bill Belichick has had, maybe since he's ever been there. It would it would rival the 2007 team. And I even looked at like some stats to just to add them all up. Like the 2007 team is really the only team I think statistically that's on par with this. The 2007 team had the number one offense in football and the fourth defense, fourth rated defense in football with the fourth best scoring defense. The team we got this year is fourth on offense, so three spots lower. Uh, They're eighth on defense, so four spots lower there, but they are the number one scoring defense. Mm. So they make up three spots there, right? Um, but I look at it and just go, this team is really ultra talented. There's no weaknesses. And I think we're all kind of forgetting it. And we're all trying to put the Atlanta spin on it because I think all of us just want a good game. And Atlanta's a cool story. And we're kind of – I'm rooting for Atlanta. We're kind of hoping they win. And I'm rooting for Atlanta too. Yeah, I, I am. I'm, I am. I mean, it's my brother and Kyle Shanahan. I got to root for them. Um, but I think at the end of the day, my football logic says, Chris, you're hoping for things when you talk about Atlanta. You're hoping – I hope Grady Jarrett can make a play. I hope Vic Beasley can get around the edge and start a sack fumble. And I go look at New England, and I go, oh, I know they're going to do this, yes. and I know they're going to do that. I, it's one of those games where if you bet on the Falcons, you're betting on the side of good and you can make more money. But if you bet for the Patriots, the entire game you're going, I've picked the better team. Yes, exactly. Um, what is it going to be like when Matt wins a Super Bowl ring and you're sitting there and Phil's got his two and – Matt's got his. It'll mean Manning's got four and the Sims got three. We close the gap. 
That's awesome. <laughs> Even though one of them only played. <laughs> uh, I, it's going to be awesome. That would be really cool to what have. What has it been for your brother to be like in this whole situation? Yeah, he's been super excited. I mean, he really has been. Because it's funny. I was watching the mic'd up stuff with Matt Ryan, and yeah. it's cool. Like Matt and your Matt yeah. have been like kind of standing together. And there was a I saw one of the clips where like Matt's standing there, and he's watching like Matt Ryan and, and like Arthur Blank, and he's just standing. He's, he's the third guy in that circle. Yes. It's really cool to be a part of all he this. He is. He's really, he really loves Matt Ryan. As a guy, he just thinks he's the ultimate professional. He goes, he owns the building just how you think a franchise quarterback should. I, uh, go, I go downstairs. Yeah. And the, our guys that work in the lobby. Right. And they go, so how does this work? If, if the Falcons win a Super Bowl, does Chris's brother get a ring? And I go, yeah. And there was another guy down there that I've never met before. And he goes, huh, Matt Sims, the Jets f- that kid over like it's the number one thing that comes up i've told you a story when i went to a jets game against the bears yeah. someone was and i didn't even know him. they didn't know me and he was like man this i think this matt sims kid you it's what everyone in this area says it's unbelievable one day people will realize the last name of sims or like kyle shanahan that d- d- does not always help man uh, kyle f- kyle for kyle years. yeah he cool. had to have the number one, the Oops. number eight scoring offense of all time for people to do it. It's just, you know, for years he was in the Redskins. His dad had nothing to do with the offense, and people were still like, this Mike Shanahan offense is really good. And Kyle wanted to be like, Mike hasn't watched offensive film the whole year. What the hell are you guys talking He's been coaching yeah. the defense with dumbass Jim Hazlitt. It's so funny that we treat Kyle, it's the young thing again, but we say that Kyle's an arrogant prick, and then we say that Belichick is endearing. <laughs> no, Belichick is an arrogant prick. Yes. That's why he's successful. Yes. The problem is, is he's got four Super Bowl rings. People don't like arrogant pricks that haven't done anything. <laughs> right, right. But the problem is, is that Kyle has done something. He has. But y'all just only care about Super Bowls. That's all it comes down to. Exactly So right. if he wins one, man, can you imagine starting a new job as a head coach with a Super Bowl oh, ring? With a Super Bowl you ring. You can say whatever the hell you want. Beating the New England 14-2 New England Patriots. And you know, against the defense? Right. The number one scoring defense? And, and on the way. And on the way to that Super Bowl, way. you whoop the shit out of that other team that's our rival in our own division, the, the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. Right. I mean, that's the Seattle Seahawks game alone should have gotten Kyle hired. They should have been like, I think it did. That's when it changed. It did, it did seem like it changed. You're right. Well, yeah. I think you said it, then Miller did a video about it, and it's just unbelievable. Yep. All right. So uh, I think that I'm up still two games, so I don't think you can beat me. Yeah, right. Uh, who are you picking to win the Super Bowl? I am going with the Patriots on the. Facebook Live, you pick the Falcons. Right. But the, we know the podcast means more to the, you. The podcast doesn't mean more, and I give my real feelings. What we should have done on Facebook Live when we have to bet with the spread, me and you should have gambled on the spread because I think both of us think the Patriots are going to win the football game. Even yes. though we're rooting for the Falcons, my mind says the Patriots are going to win the game. We should right. have gambled on the spread. We did. No, we should have done like... You want New England? All right. I'll take New England and give you four points. And then you could go, ooh, okay. Well, no, oh. I want New England, and I'll give you five. And we'll see where it draws out to where yeah. we feel comfortable. Oh, New England is seven? Then I will take Atlanta, whatever it is. What would the, oh, let's just ask you this, number. Right. What would the number have to be for you to pick the Falcons? Let's see how much of an underdog Sims really believes the Falcons are. I think they're a six-point underdog. Six points. I do. I'm, I, I think Atlanta – I mean, I think New England's going to win this game 35-27. I know. That's just my heart of hearts. I don't think they'll ever be stopped when they get in the red zone to score a touchdown. Yeah. And I think New England will stop them twice to make them kick field goals. I'm going New England 35-14. 
You're going, you're going to dominate. No, that's not possible. They're not going to stop that offense that many times. I wouldn't think so. I'm just thinking of turnovers that lead to panic. Yes, that's what's scary. If Atlanta turns the ball it's over early, over. it would be trouble. You know, there's going to be one team that's going to be, wow, this I'll is stick the Super with Bowl. I'll stick with 31-14. Man, I can't believe I'm doing that. I was going to put money on the Falcons, and now I'm going to put money on the Patriots. It's it's don't do that. It's like it's like you said like when you bet against Aaron Rodgers. It's just it hurts to watch it because then you go, whoa, was I so stupid to bet against? Him? Yeah, but you I can still root for the Falcons and bet with New England. You can, okay. Yeah, because oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Betting on New England always feels smart, right? And I can still root. And then if I lose, I go, I don't care. Yeah. Falcons win. Yeah, I get to watch a I get to watch a parade with Ludacris and Lil John and like Atlanta, like the most disrespected fan base ever. Yeah. Um, man, and I, it is it is funny. All right, so let's do prop bets. Okay, let's do it. Okay, will any player serious one first? Will any player on the Falcons or Patriots roster be seen kneeling during the national anthem during the live broadcast? So not like pictures afterwards. Will any of them be shown in protest of after this whole season of us talking about Kaepernick? Will any of them be down on a knee? I so not even lifting lifting a fist. On a knee. I say no. No? Uh, it's minus $200, so that is the favorite. No is so the no favorite. So no is the more favorite. I'm going to say no, but I do think we're going to have a Martellus Bennett hand in the air. But the, the, the bet is kneeling, not lifting your I hand. wonder. What I want to wonder is if either coach or an organization is going to actually confront that issue on a Friday meeting or a Saturday night meeting before the game. Why? Yeah, my, my, my thing is, is let it go. If they're going to do it, then they're going to do it. Because if you say no, they're going to think about it. And I don't need these guys thinking in the Super Bowl. That's a good point. Okay. How many times will Trump be said on TV during the broadcast over under one and a half? Gosh. So you're you're betting on two. From kickoff to final whistle, live broadcast only, halftime commercials do not apply. I think it'll be zero. You think it'll be zero? Man, so you're I going really under. hope so. If I have to listen to anything about Donald Trump during the Super Bowl, I'll be disappointed. I'm, I'm going to say sports. that it's going to be brought up twice. twice. I'm, I'm going to say over because I think Bill O'Reilly has an interview with Donald Trump. Don't they do an interview with the president during the uh, during the game? Or yeah, isn't it like right time? after the game or something like that or halftime? So you're saying it's from opening whistle to when? When does this end? This? Just only during the game. Okay. I'm saying yeah. You're saying yeah? I think it's, it's I our think country. Jo- I think Joe Buck and Troy will stay out of that conversation. Who will Donald Trump pick to win the game? Oh, Patriots them. are 1 to 10, so you'd have to bet $100 to make $10. Falcons are 11 to 2. Well, I mean, considering that He's Arthur Blank Patriots. came out and said he, dis- he dis- feels disrespected by the lack of uh, respect to the Jewish community because Trump and the White House didn't acknowledge Jews in the Holocaust, which is pretty amazing. But... Uh, yeah, he's picking the Patriots. I think what was so incredible, I was watching the media night last night, and I told you about this already. Kraft and Arthur Blank are up there, and they get asked, who's the most famous person on your phone? And Arthur Blank said a country music singer, and then pointed at, at Robert Kraft and goes, well, you know he's got Trump. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, and I tell you, Kraft put his hand on Blank's leg to, to like, kind of be, be like, quiet. calm down. Calm <laughs> down, first-time owner. Like I, I, This is my eighth time at the Super Bowl, including the 96 team. Robert Kraft is the commissioner of the NFL, uh-huh. and I love that he comes out and says things like the NFL has done damage to me. Like He is he is such a mass hole. It's incredible. It he's is. the perfect owner for that franchise. He is. He's amazing. And he's a great guy, and I, even though I've been anti-deflategate and all those kind of things, 
And I'm going to say this. He's Tom, amazing. Oh. Tom Brady is a son to him. Yes. And he thinks that his son was done wrong. Right. And you know what? And I'm sure my dad knows this. I lied when I was in when I went to my new private high school in 10th grade. Uh, I can't. Uh, I'm sure I've already. He, he knows that I lie. I, Apparently, you're nervous about. I this, am John. nervous. <laughs> there was a Spanish. I'm home- 30 years old, Dad, and I'm afraid to tell you this story. There's a Spanish homework assignment, right. and uh, it said write a sentence that involves these four words. And in the book, there was an example. And I went. I'm just going to write that one down. And they went in there, and they're like, Adam, you copied it. And it was a Quaker school, so it was very, like, upstanding citizens, which I didn't get along with. And I was like, no. I was like, I was like, there were four different vocab words in one sentence. Like, that was the only sentence that made sense because I was a liar. And I got called. Like, I was going to get suspended for this. Jeez. And my dad walked in there like a ball of fury and was like, are you f***ing kidding me? My son's not a f- liar like all that stuff and i'm sitting there and i'm just like oh my god (laughs) but in meanwhile i was like you know what my dad's is confident i'm gonna be this confident yeah i didn't do this at all that's what robert Kraft is yes his son's telling him he didn't lie Mm -hmm. i didn't deflate it i didn't do it this is crap i got suspended four games i got fined blah 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 and his dad's his dad's going there and he's going how dare you besmirch my son's name that's exactly it that's why you gotta respect him it is because look if someone came to you and said, your daughter popped the tires of my car, and your daughter said, no, I didn't, you'd punch that motherfucker in the face. You would punch him in the face. You I would. Sh- she better not have done that, though. Yeah. How many times will Giselle Bunchen be shown on TV during the broadcast over, under, one and a half? Oh, I'm going the over. You're going twice. Yeah, I think so. You're going once at one point, and then two maybe in the celebration. Yeah, I think it's. I think it'll probably be three total altogether. I need to write all these down (laughs) because I always forget to. Well, remember there was the one like how many times is Archie Manning going to be shown? Like that was really big last year. Um, All right, so you're going to go a lot. I'm going to go over under one and a half. I think she'll be shown twice. I think so too. I just don't even see how that. Uh, The favorite there is under. Mm. Actually, mm. Uh, I think we. I, I think what's funny is, is you say these out loud. But remember, they have to do all of this in addition to talking about the game, in addition yeah. to showing all the players. Yes, and, yes. and you go, yeah, they'll say it twice. How many times will deflate or deflate gate be said on TV during the live broadcast? Again, over under one and a half. Oh. I am taking the over. I am taking the over. I th- I'm going to go under there. I d- I just think. Mm, the the one thing I know is the the, the Troy Aikman New England Patriots relationship isn't that great. We're talking about this right now. So why is it not great? Well, because this is something that, in addition to what to look for, this is a what to listen for. Well, I think New England has been. They don't always think Troy does his homework when they do their games. So talk about talk about what it's like to go to the meetings with coaches, specifically Bill Belichick. Right. Well, and and I've never been a part of one specifically. All I can do is is go when you're when you're doing color commentary. You meet with the coaches the Friday before the game or the Saturday before the game. Mm -hmm. And what has your dad talked about that experience with Belichick? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've heard him and and even Collinsworth talk about this before. But the the big thing with Belichick is, yeah, you better be prepared. You better know the game and really know what's going on with his team and the team he's playing because he will reverse the questions on you and quiz you to see if you really know. Let's do it. So, so hey, hey, Bill, uh, what do you think about Malcolm Butler and the way he's playing? Well, uh, did you watch uh, Week 15? What did, did you think of him playing that week against uh, the Miami Dolphins? 
And then if the and announcer goes, I uh, haven't watched that film. Well, I mean, I think you got to watch him as a whole. I mean, he's just going to quiz you on what you're seeing. So he's just going to reverse it. He's going to reverse it to go, does this guy, has he really been watching? Let me just see if he's really been watching. And let me hear his evaluation to see if he actually has a clue Similar. of what he's evaluating. So when, did your dad ever get burned by that in the beginning? No, but I know that's what he always worried to ask Chris Collinsworth. He, go, he always told Chris Collinsworth his word of advice was to him was to any question you ask Bill Belichick, make sure you have an answer for it as well because Bill will turn the tables to see if you've done your homework. And people wonder why Bill Belichick is successful. Yeah. Because when everyone feels the need to step up their game when they're in your presence – you are going to have success. Yes. So what happened with Troy? Well, it, I think it was something along those lines, basically, where there was, there was questions asked, and Bill didn't, I don't think, thought they were the right questions and didn't think, I don't think he thought they were fact-based behind it. More and like opinion stuff, which is re- mainly what Troy gives during games Yes, now. and I think there was a riff there. And if you hear Troy talk, you know, you'll, you'll probably hear Troy. I doubt Troy is going to do too many pregame conversations with this group. I mean, most of the time, what I've always heard from Fox people is he does a New England game. He doesn't talk to New England. He doesn't go to Friday New England practice and wait for coach and Tom Brady. And, and does that impact your ability to call a game? I think it give, takes away from some of your little keys to the game that you might look for. In Friday practice, you can get a few clues and go, ooh, they, they're doubling Julio no matter what. You know, mm. my dad got in the game, my dad last week against Pittsburgh, he told me Friday night, he goes, I saw the whole practice. I think they doubled Antonio Brown every play except for two or three. Whoever the guy was. Whoever being, was. Yeah, right? scout team. And, um, and he goes, they played bare front every play. So then when your dad has that information, how does the, he incorporate that into his Sunday broadcast? Because he can't say it in the pregame. Right. He's just going to say it when maybe the first few runs of the game and go, take a look at this. this. They're lining this. up in the this bear. I expected. Hey, Jim, we saw this on Friday at practice, this defense alignment right Expect here. Expect more of this throughout the game. Right. Right. And then for doubling Antonio, that way you, you tell the production truck and all that, get some shots of them doubling Antonio. Yes. And I remember they actually had one in the second half where they had like a highlight reel of three or four plays doubling Antonio. Yes. So really it's helping the truck. It is. It's, it's helping the game broadcast, not necessarily like you leading up to the no, game. No, you're right. It's, 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 it's the allowing the analyst to give the truck an idea of more of what's going to happen. You know, in the red zone, they kept throwing it to Martellus Bennett. So have middle. another camera on Martellus Bennett like an ISO cam. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Troy Aikman. So Troy's I, – I, I, listen, I like Troy. You know he's one of my favorite all-time quarterbacks. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, Troy, I think, takes the view of announcing games of not getting into the conversation too deep. He keeps it topical. He's, I think, uh, uh, at least – He's knowledgeable to know that there's people out there watching that really don't yeah. know what's going on, and he doesn't get too in t- into the weeds too much. How many times will J.J. Watt be mentioned on TV during the live broadcast? Zero. Over one, under one. Zero. If you it, don't think Joe's going to go, this is the house of, oh, jeez, this is the house of J.J. Watt. <laughs> I hope not. J.J. Watt's going to be on the sideline, like, clapping it up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why do I hate him so much? Will Houston, we have a problem be said on TV during the live broadcast. Yes is 5 to 2, no is 1 to 4. I say yes. I think it's going to happen. Though. I think Joe's going to go Houston, we have kickoff. Like I think that's what <laughs> Something he'll go like with. that. Yeah. Do you win the bet if you just say that? You know No, it has to be Houston, Houston, we have a problem. Okay. The reason I would take the no is 
maybe he messes it up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, if the Patriots win, this is a good one. Will Brady, Belichick, or Kraft be seen shaking Roger Goodell's hand on TV? Yes, minus 180, no, plus 140. I, I think yes, and I think that they'll try to make it a, such a long, uncomfortable handshake. You think they're going to just shake the crap out of it? I do. I think Brady might be like, yeah, we won the Super Bowl, and like, put it right in front of Roger's face. Like, I, I really think that's what's going to happen. I think. Do you think, do you think Brady would make eye contact and handshake? I, I told you this. I got word last year. I got a few friends or a few guys from my hometown in Jersey who used to be a part of the Brady posse. They'd go to the Kentucky Derby with Brady yeah. and do these things and tell me all these things. And the word was last year, even before the AFC Championship game, that they lost to the, to the Broncos, that he was already planning his F.U. Roger moment on this podium for the Super Bowl. To really? Agree. Yes, right. He was going to. It could be sweet. So it could, this could be interesting. I think he's gotten over it to a degree now, and I think he's going to handle it in a really classy manner. I really do. I think you he do. Will. I do. I think he will. I think he's. I think he's gotten over it. He's proved his point this year that I'm great even when the balls are inflated, which I, that was never in doubt. Anyways, no. just the fact that he did it was the effed up part of it. Yeah, and, but when there's that release of emotion. And then there's the 15 to 20 minutes before the trophy comes out. That's when the game planning starts. That's when you see Roger and you're looking at Belichick and you're looking at Kraft. And you got, we just talked about this. Kraft is your dad. And your dad's up there and he's probably going, stick it to him, Tom. That'll be, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to see that. Oh, man. What do you want him to do? Um, I don't know. You know that's actually- what would you do if you were Tom? Well, this is a tough thing because if I'm Tom, I know I took air out of the football, so uh, that's the problem there. You know, that's, yeah, but you could still stick it to him. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't stick it to him, though. I probably wouldn't. I think at the end of the day, do you say anything? No, I might give an extra yeah, loud yell just <laughs> as I hold up the trophy <laughs> and maybe lean in that way to Roger. You know, if you want to be a, a jerk, just say it off screen. Like when you get up on the podium and they're not on TV yet, be like, hey. You, Roger. I can't wait till you hand me that fucking Super Bowl trophy. And then when you get on camera, you get on camera, hey, thank you, Mr. Commissioner. And then everybody goes, oh, see this Tom Brady, such a classy guy. What a guy. classy guy. Right. What do you That's think? What, Rod- do. what do you think Roger would do if that happened? Do you think anyone's talked that way to Roger in a while? Uh, yes. Craft. Thirty-two owners, all Kraft. of them are spoiled brats. They probably treat him like shit. He's like you know, their whipping boy. Man, last one. What color will Lady Gaga's hair be when she comes on stage for the halftime show? Blonde, one to four. Any other color, five to two. So blonde is the prevailing favorite. I'm going blonde, too, because she wants to make sure Lady Gaga's known. So this is her chance to put herself out there. Yeah, because, you know, Lady Gaga really hasn't got enough PR. Not (laughs) enough people know who Lady Gaga is. Uh, It's the biggest show she's ever been a part of. Did you hear that they were trying to get a petition for Migos to take over the performance from Lady Gaga? You know who Migos is? I don't know. It's the most popular rap group in America right now. Really? They just had a new album come out. They're uh, they're very but why? super. Why? Why do they pop. want them to take over for Lady? They're Gaga. from Atlanta. They're the number one Does album Migos in the country. Play a song that I would know. Yes. So I'm gonna play it just for two. You know the song? Play you just it. asked me if I knew a song with the guy going. Hey, you know that song? I have heard that song. Okay, so that's Migos. Yeah, okay. Like the the day the NFL signs them up for the yeah, halftime right? show, oh good, my God. good luck with that. Well, hey, they had Beyonce do it last year, 
and she made a very big statement. Remember, that's all we talked about the day after the Super Bowl. We talked about two things, Beyonce making a statement and Bill Romanowski making a racist comment and then me somehow getting lumped into it and getting called out by Black Sports Online You're for right. being racist. You're right. I, for, I forgot about that. We and I, I thought I died on an airplane. Uh, <laughs> we that never talked not, about that. You're right. I've been, I've been to the Super Bowl with Janet Jackson showing her tip. And, yes. Yep. Yeah, and then I. It was a wardrobe malfunction. Uh, of course it was. And I, th- I've been to I think ten Super Bowls. I thought last year's halftime Super Bowl performance was the worst one I've been to. I thought it was horrible. I Why? Like I just didn't think it was good. I don't think that song was, you know, good for a halftime environment. I will say this: I'm happy to watch the Super Bowl on TV this year. Yeah, it's, I it's think that going there, the Super Bowl is a TV event. And from like a TV perspective, the cameras are in incredible places. Everything is made for the camera. I mean, you got you got Coldplay and Beyonce, and they're just playing to this camera. And I'm in the stadium, and I'm like, it's so far away. Yeah. It's not loud at all. The music, you can't even make out the words. But when you look at the screen, it's like in your face. And it's right. It's a TV production. It is. And to me, it summarizes all that's wrong with the NFL. Everything is done for packaging and marketing and promotion. And nothing's done for the experience at the game. Yeah, you're right. But it's, a, it's a very corporate marketed event. It is. It's all corporate. The whole stadium is just corporate. I mean, I was sitting in a section last year. And I'm just cheering because I like football. And I was just looking around, and everybody was just sitting there eating, and nobody was getting up. It was, And then when I came down to your section, holy crap. I had two kids in front of me that were probably like, you know, millennials, 28, 29 years old. I you not. They watched four minutes of that game. They didn't do crap except make selfies, take videos. They went and got 90 different snacks. I, they literally missed every big moment of the game. Mm. Why? Just so you could say, like, I was at the Super Bowl, right? That's all the reason people Now I'm do having it? nostalgia, and I'm going to end on this. My last favorite Super Bowl moment from last year was we were sitting there, and we're before the game, and we're drinking beers, and this guy rocks right up, and he, he kind of pushes me out of the way, and he goes to Fendrick, and he goes, Mother Hen! And he goes, Producer Josh! <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and Josh, who probably has never been recognized for something like that in his life felt that rush and it was so awesome and he was like a he was like a student in mexico or something like that and if he's listening right now he's a huge panthers fan he knew knew ali haji chic ali haji chic all right so we are both going patriots i'm going with an unfortunate uh blowout man i can't believe i picked that i think it's gonna be a super high scoring game (laughs) it was really stupid i talked you into it yeah you did i listened to you and you're so and i'm not as good at picking games as you are yeah why did i just do that i don't know what a weak-minded individual uh we'll come back next week i there's a chance that wednesday and thursday this week i'm going to do a bunch of interviews with people on uh press row uh so i'm going to wait and see that happens if if that happens we'll do what we did last year i'll put out just a bunch of segments of interviewing that if you want to give me a call while you're there and just tell me what the scene is like, yeah, uh, just because I like your take on what it looks like compared to like Paul Kaplan's take. I, I hear you. Even though we should get Paul Kaplan on the podcast. That would be good. All right. Episode 101 will be coming next week uh, for Sims. Happy 100th to Sims and Left Go podcast. Peace out, homies. For George. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Uh, for George. Josh. Uh, love you, buddy. This has been fun. I'm Lefko, and we will holler at you next time. Peace.